We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Jack Manuel here at the Brooklyn Buzz, and I'm joined by an incredibly special guest. I've got Doug Norrie of Locked On Nets. Doug, what a pleasure, mate. How are we? Oh, man. Great to be here. A little crossover podcast, Nets talk. There's tons of stuff to talk about. Always good to see your face, buddy. So let's let's get it rolling. Oh, let's do it, mate. Let's do it. I'll jump into the first question. So everyone loves a grade, Doug. So how would you grade the Nets offseason <laughs> so far? Taking into account draft, free agency, trade, everything going in between. A lot of people would probably sit on the fence and say incomplete until Tyler nah. Hero, Nets sign another big. You can say that. I'll let you say whatever you want, mate. You're the guest on my podcast. I'm the guest on your podcast, however we want to do this thing. But what would you grade it, I guess, at this stage as we record the day after July 4th? Yeah, no, I'm actually I'm not going to do an incomplete because that's a, that's a cop-out. So I'm going to say, uh, considering the circumstances that they were in going into this, like wipe the slate clean, this is where they are, this is what they have to work with. I was to give this like a solid so far B plus off season. I, I, and we can go into all the reasons why I'm happy to just chop this up for as long as you want to. But like, I think based as we stand right, what July 5th, Wednesday, <laughs> Wednesday, July 5th, these things can change overnight. One, one or two more spots on the, on the uh, roster to maybe fill out here. I think, I think a solid B plus for like sort of the direction they took this. And there's a lot of different reasons. We'll go through them all if you want to, but like, that's where I would land on. That's where I would land on the grade right now because I think they made a couple pretty key sort of along the margins moves that signaled that they kind of have the right idea here. Yeah, look, I'd probably go slightly lower with the B because I think that there are still some gaps in the roster that not don't fill me with concern. I've sort of said this with Nick. I'm just like, look, if the Nets like signed some form of a big, and as we record this, Mobamba is officially off the market. So it's the Aaron Gordon sweepstakes gone, the Mobamba sweepstakes gone. But there are still some guys out there that the Nets could choose to target. You know, the Nets are, are still in the Tyler Hero, Damian Lillard sort of sweepstakes, wherever you want to sort of put that. I'd go a B, but I do like what they've done. You know, as you were sort of alluded to, the direction. Nick and I spoke about this. You've spoken about this with Locked On as well. The the, the the low value sort of signings and high upside of it, Dennis Smith Jr. in his mid-20s, Lonnie Walker in his mid-20s. You know, Jalen Wilson being signed to the two-way deal, which is a, a great thing for him as well, That which was announced uh, probably just a couple of hours ago. I like what's being done, but at the same time, you know, there's a, a part of me that's a little bit greedy, and I want a little bit more, Doug. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, look, it makes sense to like try to to do that. Like, I mean, there's you know, you mentioned the Bomba thing. Maybe there's like a Paul Reed still sitting out there, uh, restricted free agency. Maybe that's something I'm kind of waiting to see. With the with the exception, if they're able to throw something out there, um, Christian Wood's still sitting out there. So I think there are a few m- more moves on the margins. But like, let me go through like, real quick why I gave it the B plus. I actually there's four specific moves that are all worked in conjunction that signal to me that it like at least marks and company are not living a totally delusional team building life, right? Which I was actually starting to a little bit worry about, <laughs> right? That they were just, that there was sort of like a delusions of what was going to actually work with this team. And it centers around shipping out Joe Harris and Patty Mills and effectively replacing them with Lonnie Walker and Dennis Smith Jr. Now, Dennis Smith Jr. and Lonnie Walker, 
are not championship pieces and they are not title shift movement into like this great basketball team, but they're so much younger. <laughs> and just that alone, like, I think they, I think it was something they shipped out. Like they, they, they transferred over 16 years worth of age in those two moves. And it sometimes is hard to get rid of veterans, especially if they've been good guys to your squad. And Joe Harris has been like a great dude. And Patty Mills by all accounts was a good dude. Right. Um, but there was just no need for them to be on the team anymore at all. And to get off the money now and to just effectively just kind of just salary dump them and then get into sort of like maybe post hype upside, pretty young dudes in, in DSJ and Lonnie Walker. Like that is exactly what we were begging for them to do is just say, Hey, look, take some flyers. Are they going to be great? Probably not, but they're younger. They signal a little more of a youth movement. There's definitely a player development thing going on here now. And I don't know. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know. I don't yeah, want no. I don't think that they push them from like into like the top four of the East or anything like that, but it just shows like this sort of shift in a mindset, which I'm was, I thought was refreshing at least. No, definitely. I think Nick, I, and basically every single somewhat in the know Nets fan has just been asking for a semblance of a direction from from Sean Marks and Joe Sy, and we've sort of gotten that to an extent. Now, there's still plenty of things to happen, and you know, the thing that hangs over everyone's head is this Damian Lillard sort of trade and how the Nets could be involved with that. We'll discuss that in a little bit, but at the very least, the Nets are just going, okay, look, Joe Harris is not value. Patty Mills is not value. These guys are were, were roster cloggers last year, and unfortunately, that was the case. You know, we've both given our, our fair love to them on our, on our own shows, but in, in saying that, it's just... I like because I honestly think both Lonnie Walker and DSJ, you combine both of them, you know, get them into go tanks like a, a fusion dance in Dragon Ball Dragon Ball Z. It's almost like a perfect sort of like high upside on the guard because Dennis Smith Jr. legit like all NBA defense caliber guard. Lonnie Walker, guy who can score 15 points in a playoff game and real offensive and athletic pop. You know, these are guys that you'd rather bank on than you know, the sort of steady reliability, the vet presence of Joe Harris and, and Patty Mills. Th those guys had value in a different iteration of this net squad. Now it feels like the new direction is being set, as you've alluded to, Doug. Yeah, like, and that I think is like where they just had to go, right? They just had to, they just had to be in this uh, more of a youth movement. And by the way, like too, if you look at, and I'll, I'll throw in some other moves here too that maybe we want to discuss later, but the, just the coaching changes alone, right? The coaching changes also, you know, Kevin Ali, Ronnie Burrell, like these guys, you could kind of see this coming. It was like, okay, what's the plan going to be for this offseason? If you if you just sort of just thought about it for two seconds around some of the coaches they were hiring, it was very clear they were like, hey, we're going player development. We're going, we're going younger. We're not we're, we're these are not the kind of guys you you go out there if you're signing these KG veterans like th that's just not that's not what is none of the resumes really kind of rang out like that and so you can kind of see this coming I think with where they were going now look by the time this post maybe they traded for Damian Lillard I don't think it's going to happen but <laughs> like um but and so this would all be for nothing but I think from a player development standpoint I think one the, the ages of those two guys too are still very much in player development. They're still very young. DSJ is I, I couldn't believe how young he was when I when they signed him. I was like he's like two years younger than Bridges or something like that. Like it's crazy. It was not, he's been a, it seems like he's been around since before I had kids. But like these guys are young, so I just think that that's just the right direction for a team that's gonna have to try to hit on some of these upside guys, especially when they don't really have any draft capital of their own in the future, right? You're just going to have to just try to catch a little lightning in the box, lightning in a bottle with, uh, with some guys in the lower end of the age spectrum. Yeah. And to further reiterate that point is the direction of the draft, you know, two of the youngest guys in the class, Noah Clowney, Derek Whitehead, and then you get a Jalen Wilson who, you know, who could turn into anything, could turn into a genuine NBA role player, could be a Kessler Edwards sort of type. So that further reiterated everything that you sort of alluded to, because I think Clowney and Whitehead have immense talent and upside. And in the environment that the Nets are creating now, they could flourish to being the best versions of themselves now. We can make arguments against that with what's happening with Darren Sharp, Cam Thomas, and David Jr. Whatever happens there, summer league could be interesting. We'll see what happens there. We'll see what happens in terms of the rotation and the coaching and and the ro and, and just the roster management in general. Obviously, there are parts of it that are incomplete, but yeah, I'm liking what's happening. I think that 
you know, both of us have had our issues with the the franchise overall. And I think that just comes from being wanting to be the best version that the Nets can be and get into the direction of, of wanting a chip, hopefully at some point in the near future. It doesn't seem in the short term at the very least. But yeah, I, I sort of like what's been happening uh, in, in an overall holistic sort of thing. But what's your favorite signing or move that's happened so far, Doug? And you can include the draft into this. You can include your DSJs. You can include Lonnie Walker. You can maybe even do like go real sicko mode and say Ronnie Burrell, favorite signing the Nets have made in a long time. You go wherever you want with it, my friend. Well, I do think just I do think again, like along the same path that these are all these all these moves have been in conjunction with each other, right? Like I did think at some time I'll get I'll give you my favorite move in a second, but the I do think at times it had been sort of unclear what the path was totally like around the, around the guys. This at least is very cl- whether the root moves are all correct. I'm not sure, but at least the path is clear. And I think sometimes I think that can just signal overall the best thing. I'll say my favorite move, honestly, from and I'll go back to the draft because one, I'm just very glad that a and this isn't necessarily a signing is that Marks just kept both picks. Right. Like there was there was a talk around, OK, well, they package them together to move up. And I'm thinking and I, all that time we were always talking about they really don't have the draft capital to try to start try to hit home runs like this. They need to hit a bunch of singles and doubles to and just try to take as many bites at the draft apple as possible because they're not going to have many more chances. So the, just the fact that they stuck with their guns around Clowney and Whitehead where they drafted over slot. I mean, Whitehead almost definitely was, but the um, Clowney, that one's close. Maybe you know, we really liked Omax, and I, I could have gone either way on that one, right? I I, pro- I would have preferred Omax, but I I don't uh, prosper. But I don't think that that's I don't have so much conviction around it that I think it's a mistake, right? So I think the Clowney pick is fine, and then the Whitehead pick, and I'm gonna put them together as my favorite moves. They represent shots at upside that the Nets have to be able to take. Like the Whitehead, yeah, look. Would he have been there at 30? Probably, maybe, right? But the Nets weren't going to pick at 30. So at that point, if you just like your guy and you're like, hey, this dude's going to go back to who he was in high school and that was just a weird year with the foot at Duke and like he's going to go back because if we had done the draft a year earlier, this guy's a top 10 pick for sure. I think, and that they, you know, with the Nets doctor and they probably feel really great about the medicals and all this stuff. I like that move because it could be an F but it could be an A and they really could have drafted C's in this range. You know, Chris Murray guys like this, right? Like that. were just going to, you kind of knew what you were getting. So I'll just say the draft as, as my favorite sort of thing is the off season. Cause I think they, I think they sort of planted a flag on these guys with these guys. And I think that's a good sign and really something Marks has not done for kind of a long time. And so yeah, I'll stick. I'll stick with the draft with Clowney and Whitehead. Yeah, look, I don't want to steal your answer, and I, and I won't. I, I'll sort of just reiterate some of your thoughts. I I think the the white. If I'm picking like just one guy, I'm just irrationally high on Whitehead. I don't know why. It's just I love guys who just have the the intangible possibilities of just like yes. the unknown. It's the draft. It's just there's something insatiable about that. But I think the thing that I enjoyed most was the fact that. You know, I've, I've I've screamed nepotism of Sean Marks before. I've been a very critical critical person when it comes to some of the moves and stuff that he's done when it comes to, you know, signing Paddy Mills to the taxpayer mid-level and letting Bruce Brown sort of go out the door. You know, Joe Harris to a somewhat inflated deal, but I thought it was okay at the time. But showing that he could just go, look, this is over with you guys, unfortunately. Yes. And you know, having to attach, you know, second rounders, which is not going to have a lot of value. I think that just, just go to me, all right, this guy is looking out for what's best for the franchise overall. Not like the moves that sort of appeased him because you know letting go of a Joe Harris is essentially a signaling from Sean Marks that, look, this is the end of my sort of pre-era when I first got to this franchise. And it was D'Lo, it was Carol Savert, it was Jared Allen. It was those nets that everyone seems to have an irrational love for. So I think Sean Marks showing that conviction is something that I really, really enjoyed. And look, you can make an argument that Dennis Smith Jr. and Lonnie Walker could be some of the could win some games for the Nets. They could have some game-winning players. Yep. Lonnie Walker could have a game-winning three. Dennis Smith Jr. could strip Jonte Murray, Trey Young, any of these sort of guards, and, and just you know, provide some real value to our rotation. I think that having, you know, I think you can make an argument that look, Edmund Sumner, there's, there's another more glut at the guard position. I'm going to give Sean Marks a free pass for it because 
I hope he adds another big. It's not like a Moses Brown sort of big, but someone else. But I'll give him a pass enough for now, and maybe he signs Christian Wood for a, a minimum and a bet on himself one year sort of deal, or bowl bowl comes to to <laughs> to the Nets or, or something along those sort of range, and or maybe Tyler Hero comes for no picks, which I don't see happening. But there are still opportunities for us to go. Man, Sean Marks is continuing to hit it out of the park, and maybe our Bs and B pluses turn into A minors and As, and and that would be you know great for the Nets. But I don't think it's going to get worse, if anything. You know, obviously, not adding a big would make my grade maybe go from a B to a C plus. But I, I you know, you can hope get bigs, you know, anywhere and and everywhere. Even adding like a Dwayne Dedman or you know one of the Zeller Plumleys, they're, they're all they're there everywhere. But the Nets do need some size, and I think that Sean Marks literally said this, and I had this quote written down as a bit of research. Doug, he said this after the season. I think April twenty fourth via the New York Post. Without a doubt, we need to make some changes in terms of adding some size. I think Jacques Vaughn said it Saturday night, add a little nastiness. Without a doubt, we need to make some changes, add a little bit of the Brooklyn grit we have talked about sort of for six years. It has been six years, Sean, and other than like adding Paul Millsap, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, where there was an interesting type of Brooklyn grit and then going a complete different direction when it came to just going all out guards, the Nets haven't really done that yet, have they, Doug? No. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. No, it, and it's been like a bane of sort of Nets fans' existence here. And I've always, I've never really gone on the we need a center train as as hard as some other people. I think because I think, like, I always thought that kind of like playing small, especially around KD and these guys, was going to be fine, right? Like J- Jeff Green at the five, right? With that, with those groups, were like, hey, that was like their best lineup. Jeff Green at the five. That's those groups were unstoppable when they were when they were able to play. But this iteration of the team is just different now, and there does need to be some kind of change around it. And that's, and again, I, I can't even say this enough. I really, I kind of would just I not make fun of it, but I, I really just never wanted some of these big lumbering centers in the team. I, and I just thought it was sort of some of the names that you would hear thrown out there. I was like, Hey, that's just not going to help. Right? Like Dwight Howard is not doing anything for the franchise. That being said, <laughs> there, there is a, there is a point at which, you kind of just don't have any of it <laughs> and and it and it's a glaring weakness if you just look at and we all know the stats right the opponent's second chance points are a disaster um opponent's offensive rebounds I mean, we've all probably lost i mean i've lost more hair than anybody uh, that around just 
oh, it's another second chance point. It's another just, you know, gang rebound that just goes away. And all of a sudden the other guys. So, yeah, no, I think that it's pretty clear it needs to happen. I'm I, I'm very surprised that as we sit here and talk about it, that they still have not really added that size. I, look, Claxton's great. And so I don't he his his spot in the team is set, but eight and a half million and he's going to get paid next year. And I'm not yeah. sure where they're going to go. They're not going to go with that. You know, if they're going to pony up for that contract. I'm not really sure yet. After that, Dayron hasn't shown you tons that he's ready for a huge role. At times, there's flashes. And obviously, his rebounding rate is really good per minute. But there's these like, sort of problems in other parts of his game. This is where I probably would take Flyers and some of these other guys. Maybe not a bull bull because I just think that's like he's a transition highlight guy and then once you see him in the half court you're gonna realize why the magic cut him <laughs> but like yeah. the or lit waved him but like you know making an offer paul reed i mean you mentioned christian wood I, you know i i just i agree with you in a general sense that if we're if that's what you're saying is that the size at some point it just is overly problematic here and i don't know yeah they haven't really just done anything to address it and it's we're Butting up dangerously close to being another season of a of, of a hair pulling out problem <laughs> because I, I, it's hard to see it going another way now. Yeah, and I think summer was the product of the Nets' defensive scheme. You know, the switching doesn't really help when it comes to you know defensive rebounding when Clax is out on the perimeter, you know, guarding Luca or whatever, and then you got DFS or one of the forwards sort of down there and DFS I think is a, is a good rebounder but in saying that that's just, he's boxing out you know whoever it might be that's got eight inches on him or, or something like that so I, I just think that maybe we might see stylistic changes I think that there the, the could be complete or at least some more flexibility to play a little bit of drop or something but again I don't think that utilizes the best of Nick Claxton's well, skills so, but I, also I don't know. like with that too, like the Nets, of, uh, the other problem with that too is they sort of double down on their problem by sometimes you can get away with some of that if you have like if your wings and even your guards are good rebounders, but the Nets didn't have those guys either, right? They don't have like and I'll throw some names out here because I don't think that they would necessarily help the Nets, but like like Harden was a good rebounder, right? Like um um Russell Westbrook obviously good rebounder, yeah he you know some of it was stat padding, but he still could really rebound the position for his height. There are guys that can that can well exceed their overall size by just understanding the angles and just having the drive to get on the boards. The Nets didn't have those guys either. <laughs> so it's like yeah. they didn't have the size and they didn't have those other guys. And when you don't have any of it, that's a problem. Now we haven't mentioned the guy, like obviously Ben Simmons is a good rebounder and it's, it's almost comical how long some, we, you know, you now us, Adam and I will go without mentioning his name. It's weird now. We're in a weird situation where, like, he's kind of forgotten. We mentioned every other guy on the team almost. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those. Would, he would solve a lot. He he actually is one of these guys that solves some of these issues, but you just have no I, – I, I personally have no faith in it at this point, but he does theoretically solve it. Yeah, that's the thing. The key, word, the key, yeah, the key word is is theoretically. So yes, and and look, you know, he's not playing for for the Boomers, which is disappointing as as an Australian. But I think the the right decision and one made in conjunction with the Nets to to get himself right. Um, the maybe maybe that's what they are banking on behind the scenes is just you know Ben Simmons and just having this really sort of switch heavy sort of scheme and 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 Ben's out there with. Tyler Hero, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Nick Claxton that, that some people are sort of proposing. And look, I don't know. Theoretically, it's hard to discuss and bring back the BS report to, to the Brooklyn Buzz because I just don't know. Like, I just have no answers to what Ben Simmons <laughs> is and what he what he could be next season. But yeah, I, and maybe this sort of transitions us a little bit, Doug, to the Damian Lillard, Tyler Hero sort of thing because I was surprised when I was doing like some deep dives in Tyler Hero because... I've been probably irrationally low on him, and maybe that's yeah. recency bias as well. But Tyler Hero's a decent rebounder and has like yeah. some size for a guard position as well. Now, obviously, he doesn't solve all of our problems. He's probably averages four or five a game. But I guess it sort of brings us to the conversation of the Damian Lillard, Tyler Hero sort of sweepstakes. Where do you currently stand? Now, where everything currently stands is that Brian Windhorst has reported, and when it's windy, you generally listen to, to general NBA stuff, that the Nets are interested in, in Tyler Hero, depending on what they could get in return. We had Ian Begley, who is a bit hit and miss when it comes to some of the reporting. But 
there are signs pointing to Damian Lillard heading to Portland and it having to be a deal where other teams are involved. So the Portland Trailblazers get some extra draft capital. Now, maybe that's a DFS as well and a, and a first, whatever it is. Would you get in on the Tyler Hero you know, experience? And if so, what's the limit of what you're willing to give up for it? Yeah, so I am pretty... I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm high on Tyler Hero, but I definitely haven't been low. I actually think that the general public was was low on him. And I think there were some things that for sure hurt him. And then there was some circumstance that really hurt him, like getting hurt and having the Heat make the finals. Like that does not a good look for him, right? Like he plays, he they barely make the playoffs. He stops playing and they become the second best team in basketball. Like that's not a great look for him for sure. But from very early on in this, and I'll stick to my guns on this one. I was, I've been saying one, it's like, is he a little overpaid? Pro- probably a little bit. Is he kind of the exact guy that would fit in with this Nets team to be a floor raiser? For sure. For sure. They need everything that he does. Everything that he does, the Nets could use right now. Like on ball creation, pick and roll, so moderately clutch shooting, sort of high usage, but you don't feel too bad about it. And the other thing, too, is what people forget, he's so young. He's so young. He's 23 years old. He's, like, not that – he's, like, the same age as, like, Camp Thomas. <laughs> like, like or that's a overstating it a little bit. But he's so young. And, yeah, $30 million is probably a little bit of an overpayment. But the, the trajectory of these guys is he's, like, four years away from his peak, right? Like, so even if you, even if you thought that the out years in the contract, you'd be able to get out of them no problem – Right, like the contract's gonna look fine in two years. I'm I'm all for it. Would I give up four first round picks? No, but I've been saying I think from the beginning, like or since like this sort of started churning, and I probably threw it out there maybe like two weeks ago at this point, is that he represents sort of again like what we talked about at the beginning, just the kind of guy that you feel okay bringing in because of the age, the upside. There's flaws in his game. The Nets need a floor raiser, and they could just use a lot of what he does. Debbie, where are you on that? Because I, I think that, like, I feel pretty good. Like, a two, two, a two first, and maybe not two first, a first round pick. If that was like, that was, if that's all it took, that would be an easy, easy call for me. Because you'd be begging to draft like Tyrell Hero in the middle of the first round, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, I mean, like, so at that point, yeah. Jalen Wilson's kind of close to his age as well. And we exactly. just draw those sort of like, you know, Cam Johnson was the sort of late sort of college guy spent four years there. I am, I'm becoming so much higher on Tyler here in terms of the more I just deep dive into his film and, and look at his statistical profile, like insane free throw shooter, like insane. And the yeah. Nets, if you have him and Mikhail Bridges as your sort of two offensive engines, both of those guys are ridiculous when it comes to free throw shooting. And, it's a little like nitpick that I just sort of love. Like both of those guys can easily be 90% plus from the free throw line. It's like KD, Kyrie, light versions of those sort of two in, in very, very light yeah. versions. But, and I don't think you sort of were sort of prefacing sort of saying, is Tyler Hero overpaid? Is he underpaid? Where is he? Like, I don't think he is. And I think as the more I just listen to more general NBA pods and, the, the speaking about the ways of the CBA, which Nick knows a lot more about than I do, and probably you do as well. But the more I hear, it's like, this is going to jump. This is going to jump again. Every yeah. single year, Tyler Hero's contract is like Cam Johnson's contract. Like, And Cam Johnson might be slightly overpaid, but Tyler Hero is just so much better of a player. Like He gives you, literally, as you alluded to, the three-point shooting... Like, he's one of the best self-creating three-point shooters. You talked about the clutch shooting. I think he's a, a good creator for others. I'd be, be, like, salivating at the possibilities of a Tyler Hero, Nick Claxton pick and roll. Like, I just give me all of that right now, Doug. So I'm becoming – I'm clamoring after it. Again, it's about the package that you give up. And you assess, you know, what Miami and or Portland are, are wanting to sort of offset here. But the Nets are in – a pretty advantageous position in terms of the assets that they do have and the way that they can position themselves and go, Hey, we'll give you this one and we'll, we'll ship DFS off and then we'll still be under the luxury tax. I just think that the nets are in a, a great position. And I think that they need to strike because I think adding a Tyler hero over the next couple of years is going to make them a better team and make them a better franchise and attract free agents. I think 
Guys love Mikhail. I think guys are going to love Tyler Hero. Guys love New York. Adding Tyler Hero to the growing culture and identity that we discussed at the start of the episode, I think is a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer if you're giving up, as you alluded to, the right assets. Yeah, and can I make one more thing about that too? So if you look at the Nets in, uh, the Nets future draft picks, one thing that Nets fans I don't think have done the full math on right now is that it is going to be very hard for the Nets to get younger in the next couple of years. They just don't have the picks. Like they just don't now they do have this future stuff like these future Phoenix things which is like 25, 27, 20. Like but that's those are years away, right? So they're they really don't have they they control so little with their with their own draft and those other future picks don't convey for a few years here now. So the Nets have like in the aggregate tons of assets, but they don't their their ability to get younger soon is going to be nearly impossible. It's it's just gonna be it's basically gonna be guys like this. So at that point, you're kind of forced to probably overpay a little bit to for for youth and like somewhat cost controlled youth. Because yeah, look, guys on rookie contracts are the dream because that's how you fill out the rest of the roster and everything like that. You can spend very little on really good players, and then you can overpay some other guys and 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 have a really good team. The Nets aren't going to be able to do that now. And they, I mean, and they have Bridges on an amazing contract. Simmons is off the books if they're if, in, in two years now. And, re, and they just don't have the avenues to get younger. And so if you have a chance to, yeah, you'll overpay a little bit, to have a real NBA rotational guy at 23 now, yeah, like that might take a little bit of an overpay, but here's the thing. You're not going to have a chance to get other 23-year-olds. They don't have any picks. <laughs> so so like like how what's the other path to getting younger? There isn't one. So what at do that you, point, go ahead. I was just going to ask you, what do you think about the Ben Simmons of this all in terms of a lot of people probably outside of like Nets Twitter or some people even within it and Nets fandom sort of saying, well, just trade Simmons for Hero and, and send him to Portland. But Nick has been an, a strong advocate against it. Now, we're sort of discussing the package a little bit here and how the Nets can improve their roster, get younger and such. Would offsetting Ben Simmons just for Tyler Hero as a straight sort of swap there, would that appeal to you at all? Or should the Nets hold on Ben Simmons and you know bank on the the unknown? You know, because he's it's a depreciated asset as low as you can sort of get. It's a car that's falling to pieces. But it's a car when you put a new engine in that's going to run for another five years and give you 10, 8, and 8. So where do you stand on Ben Simmons in, involved in this entire Tyler Hero, Miami, Portland sort of scenario? Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
I mean, if I thought that was at all realistic, I'd drive Simmons to the airport myself, like, and and hope that he wanted to get in the car. I, like, that wouldn't even to me. That's not even close. I, I would do that in a heartbeat. I I don't think it's realistic that that they would see Simmons as like that kind of asset. But if it was for Hero, I mean, oh my God, I would. It's not even. I, I it's not even close for me. I, I would do that. I would. Not, I would hang up the phone before they had a chance to change their mind. I, so I. I don't know. I don't know if I can overstate that enough. I I do think the one risk, and I understand what you're saying. Like the one risk with this is if you for somehow, somehow got 2019 Ben Simmons back into the door, then all of a sudden, this is an incredible. You would be selling low on, may possibly selling low. But I mean, are you with me? I have so little faith that's going to happen. Like I just don't even know what you're drawing on to feel like that's going to happen after watching what happened last year, even when you factor in like the recovery on the back stuff. I, I mean, I'm even factoring that in and I just don't, I just don't see it. So I'm, I'm, I would, I would do that in a heartbeat. I, I guess it's the, maybe the Aussie bias coming from me, but I also, <laughs> but, and maybe Sean Marks has a, a little bit of it being in the Southern from the Southern hemisphere as well. But I think it's just that contract Looking at it beyond Ben Simmons, the player, that contract has value just as a number and wanting to hold on to that number until it increases. Sort of like Joe Harris, Patty Mills, like expiring contracts in this new crazy CBA land, this new landscape that we're currently in, that has value. And Ben Simmons is as his lowest value, and we've discussed that and how high he can be. Like even if he produces what he produced in spurts this season, you know, there were some some flashes, like some genuine flashes that we saw, but his body failed him, his confidence, everything else in between. So that's the hesitation that I have. More so the fact that can you get more if you were to hold on to this asset and it becomes incredibly valuable like a Russell Westbrook or Tobias Harris, where it's just like an inflated number. It's like, let's get that onto our books because what we're currently hearing is that expiring contracts might have as much value as they've ever had in this new CBA landscape. Yeah, yeah, but there, I was I was cautioning people on that one because I agree with you in that they have value to a to a certain extent, but they don't have like like just because you make four like if I made okay let me put it this way if I made forty million dollars a year in my current five foot eleven one hundred ninety five no athletic self and made forty million dollars a year, it's not an asset. It's, uh, it's just not, it doesn't matter that it's just expiring. It's not, it's not, it's bad. Like no one would trade for it. Like there's nothing to be had for it from that, like that standpoint. So if you, I think if we can agree on that, maybe you don't agree. Maybe you think it still is. Maybe expirings are just so good. I, I don't subscribe to that, but the, if you did subscribe to that idea, then at some point you have to say at some point that like there's a, there is a player here that just because they're expiring doesn't mean that that you would still go out and trade for them. Like you just wouldn't take it onto your books because sometimes there's a hope like, hey, maybe we'll resign them for a lower number. We'll bring them in like there's other stuff that like goes along with this. So while I agree that they have more value than they might have had before because people are going to want to other teams are going to be wanting to get off money almost always. <laughs> like they're trying to get off money that they kind of don't want to pay anymore either. <laughs> right. Like, so like, so for instance, in the Damian Lillard situation, Damian Lillard now is probably a guy that you want to pay. Cause you're like, okay, he would, he can, if he's on Miami, he goes to the championship. There's a reason that Portland didn't keep going with this rebuild around him. The reason is, they had chances to like ship off all these assets to like bring in other guys to go around Dillard. I really think they looked at it and they said, man, $60 million for a 37 year old Damian Lillard. No, thanks. <laughs> like, no, thanks. We don't we better to just get off it now. So I always just, I do, I do think that there is some overstatement on the value of expiring contracts. They are better, but just because Ben Simmons is expiring, doesn't make him a good contract. It's still bad. <laughs> so that's right. That's kind of where I land on that. Maybe you disagree. I don't know. I, I just been hearing a lot of that and I just I, I, I want to push back a little on it because I think that it's sort of being conflated in a in a way that's not necessarily correct. Yeah, no, that's that that's fair. And I'm I probably subscribe in, in general and the, the premise to what you're saying is entirely accurate. I just think that you're bought you're selling 
as low as you can on Ben Simmons. That part is correct. That part yeah. you are correct. Like, I'm not arguing with that part at all. There is a chance where if you sold him now and he returned to that other form that he had, then you that looks terrible for you. I'm 100% with you on that one. I was more just, I was in the Simmons still sucks, but he makes 40 million and that's a good value. That I was not, I, that part I can't get on board, but I'm, I'm with you on the first part of it for sure. So well, I guess the Ben Simmons of it all could affect the, these the, all these negotiations, I, I guess, Doug. But before we get to looking forward, summer league, maybe even next season, do you have any final thoughts on you know, the Dame Tyler Hero sort of stuff? Yeah, it was just I know I, I wanted to maybe even hear your thoughts on just like the Nets not being involved in the Damian Lillard deal at all anymore, despite the fact that they do have the best package. Maybe they could buy low on him. But maybe what we discussed at the start of the episode in terms of this new direction that seems to be what's being cultivated by Sean Marks, Joe Sy, and the rest of the franchise, maybe we should be reading into that a little bit more, more than what was said two, three weeks ago when the Nets were like, yeah, we'll trade for Damian Lillard if the price is right. Woj was saying things, and when Woj speaks, it's generally coming directly from Sean Marks. So yeah. have, have thoughts changed in you know, your desire for, like, I've asked Nick this, like, why are the Nets going after Damian Lillard? Is there a reason to that? I never wanted them to do it. I, I have not wavered on this. From the very beginning, I did. I said, I'll root for it if it happens because it'd be insane not to. As a organizational move, I actually got worried for a little bit because I was so adamant about it that I was worried that they were going to trade for him, and then I was just going to, like, never get a chance to... <laughs> Like get an interview or do, do or like go talk to the Nets because I was so. But I just don't think it's gonna happen. I I really really pretty much thought that the second they hired Ali and Burrell, I actually was like, oh, I don't think they're doing this. Like I, that was my instant thought at that time. It was like I'd be shocked unless the price was so low for them to do it because nothing else about how they were moving the organization signaled that that was what they kind of wanted to do, or that would be even be like attractive to Lillard. Right. Like, so it's like, Oh, it's all rookie coaches and Jock Vaughn. It's all these young players. And that was even before the mills and Harris thing. Now. Nah, so I don't, I've been, um, I've been anti this from the very beginning and I'm still anti it. I don't, I, I don't want them to trade it. I think it just doesn't make sense with the rest of the team. I think he's a great player. For the Heat, it makes all the sense in the world. For like the Celtics, it makes all the sense in the world. Philly, it makes all the sense. Like just tons of teams, it makes tons of sense for. Just let them get traded to those teams because it doesn't. It doesn't make. It doesn't make sense for me from the Nets' perspective. Yeah, maybe locked on in the Brooklyn Bush and a crossover when these rumors were really hot because Nick and I weren't the complete opposite, but we're buying into it just because yeah. of the. We sort of speak about the possibilities of like Derek White and Noah Clowney. The High-end possibilities of Damian Lillard, Mikael Bridges is the NBA Finals. Now, obviously, that's high, high-end and maybe way too much drinking, way too much of the Kool-Aid. But that's just me probably having that irrational optimism, which I can sometimes well, sort of have. I think from that perspective, I will say one, sorry to cut you, one pushback. I've always, I keep contradicting myself, but I think there's always – these things are always gray areas, right? Like there's always things for and against. One thing I did say was – it would definitely make this year more fun. That one I did not change on. <laughs> I was like, if they traded for him, for sure, this year would almost be, would 100% be more fun to podcast about like we do every day about this team. It would definitely be more fun to just watch Damian Lillard every single day than what the Nets currently have because he would be the best player on the Nets. That one, I, I stand firm on that. That's very clear. I just, I just thought organizationally long-term, and sort of even what they had now, it just didn't make sense to like pay a huge price to do it because I just didn't see, I just didn't see why, <laughs> right? Like I, I just didn't accept that the whole thing I just said is it would sell more tickets and it'll be more fun for two years or something. Um, and sometimes that's good enough. Sometimes that's a good enough reason. I like, I, that's, I, I'm totally with that, but that's the one part of me was like, okay, I would do it. But I, that wasn't good enough for me to, that wasn't good enough for me to sort of change my mind on it. That's and that's fair. And like maybe I'm buying into the possible downside of what's happening in Philadelphia right now. The Bucks seem to be having some issues. The Boston Celtics, you know, the Boston Celtics, you know, the, yep. the, we've obviously faced them and, and seen them at their best, but also seen them, you know, what they did this year. So and then taking them away from the Miami Heat would obviously mean that they are less of a of a contending team. So look it's unlikely to happen, but maybe by the time we drop this, we get a, a Woj bomb 
that is exploding and reverberates all the way to the southern hemisphere. So, but we'll see. We shall see. In, in any final thoughts on Tyler Hero, Damian Lillard, this whole saga that seems to be ongoing, Doug? No, no, I think that's pretty much it. I like I said, I'm, I'll probably reverse course if they just end up doing the Dame thing because again. <laughs> Like I'll just have to, and that's just, you know, you don't want to just be down on a team. For, that's not fun. It's like sort of what would happen at the, you know, we were begging for the Nets to sell everything off and tank at the end of last year, and the second they didn't do it, I was like, well, they didn't do it. So the time to start cheering for them and hope they make the playoffs, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, you just, at that point, you got to you gotta root for the thing in front of you. So I totally get that part of it, but that's kind of where I stand on Dean. Yeah, and I think that because we do this so regularly, like as yeah. podcasters, that we can get – in, in caught up in the moment and sometimes get criticized for going, oh, but, but didn't you say this? It's just like, yeah, but like, I think one thing that a lot of Nets, good Nets content creators have been doing is like, they can change their mind. Like, yeah, like yeah. I might have thought this, but now I think this. And I was like, initially way down on Tyler Hero. Now I'm like, yeah, I've, I'm, I was wrong, but we'll see. And, and hopefully, we might be wrong about David Duke Jr. Dub because that oh. guy looks like he might be leading the summer league sort of squad. What are you going to be looking for? Let's get into the nitty gritty of summer league, which is happening very very soon. What are you going to be looking for at summer league? Obviously, Derek Whitehead not playing, but we got Clanning, we got Wilson, we got DDJ. You know, maybe there's another summer league MVP in there. Well, I'm glad to not watch 40 shots a game from Cam Thomas. Like, that is one thing. That's one plus for me to the summer league. It was great the first year. It lost its shine the second year. And I'm glad we're not rolling back year three on the Cam Thomas shoot it from every single place on the court, every single time down the court. Um, So not to just, like, have Thomas and Cam take a stray there, but, like, that has been the theme of the last two summer leagues, right? It was just, like, Cam, the Cam Thomas show. Um, With DDJ... I think that like, I, I wonder a little bit if this is sort of like the last stand for him. Um, just because with the guys that they signed, I don't see a great path for playing time for him at all. I, I, it stinks because he seems like a fun guy. He's a fun guy to root for, but I do think he'll probably take over the show here. Um, I actually, I think there's a chance we could walk out of summer league being like, Oh, Jalen Wilson, maybe should just play. <laughs> Right. Because like, may, like not play in summer league, play on the team, right. On the regular team, because he does fit like this. It's a little different where he's not young, like you mentioned before, but grabbing him at the end of the second round for sort of like what the superlatives already were, the size, the strength and stuff like that, like didn't pop off the page. But sometimes these guys. They go a little unheralded because they didn't have like the eye popping stuff, but they've had four years to work the game out and they're just good players. And I, at the end of the second round, I like that kind of style. So I could actually see a world where he's given sort of room to explore the studio space a little bit here. And we end up looking at him and saying, Oh, the Nets really have something. And Sometimes if it's just a little boring, you should actually bump a guy up just because like when you just are awesome in college, like that kind of does translate a lot, especially at big programs. Right. So I don't know. I, the rest of the names don't really pop off the page for me. Like Armani Brooks, like, you know, maybe you liked what he did with the Rockets. I don't know. Kenny Chandler. That's an interesting one. But with Wilson specifically, if you think you're going to at some point ship some of these wings off, because you're going to just try to get out of Royce or DFS or guys like this. I don't know. I think we can come out of summer league thinking to ourselves, oh, this was a nice pickup at the end of the second. Does that make sense? Uh, like, no, I, definitely. Because yeah. I think the one thing, and you can sort of look at, you know, what the rumors have been around DFS and, and Royce about, you know, the Nets wanting to trade them for first one, first two, first whatever. But one of those goes, it does open up a possible slot at the sort of three, four sort of position, two, three, four, whatever you want to call it. And Jalen Wilson could could slot in there. What we saw him produce at college, and if you want to know like our, our thoughts, check out our previous episodes. We've done some really big deep dives at, at the buzz and, and on Locked On. But he's just a good basketballer. And like I'm always saying this. It feels like it's my motto and put it on my gravestone. You just want guys that can hoop, like can just do yep. a lot of things and can have a semi-all-roundedness to their game. And Jalen Wilson feels like he has that. And might get the chance to showcase that and might be a better NBA player as you alluded for it because of the experience and the reps that he got at college and summer league watching him is going to be 
I'm looking forward to it. Him, Clowney. I want I want to see that three ball from Clowney. I think a, a lot of us are going to be looking at that and sort of saying, can this guy be the stretch big? Yes, or, or, already he's he shoots 50% from three during summer league. Get him next to Nick Claxton. We don't need bowl bowl. That's going to be the, the new conversation that's happening. But I think I want to see him against more higher-end talent, see how his offensive game continues to improve, see how the switching is, and, and, and see how he can fit defensively. And look, you know, new pictures are, have been dropping and stuff, and it seems to me he's putting on a little bit of weight as well. Some people are already saying that he's bigger than Clax. Well, Clax is already dominating in, in, in at, at the NBA level. Maybe maybe Kalina can do that too. But, yeah, it's there's a lot of fun stuff to look forward to for the Brooklyn Nets, Doug. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I do think that this summer league team do, definitely doesn't have the eye, like I said before, like the eye popping names. Yeah, and, you, and just because, look, that's the, the nature of just sort of the team over the last couple of years with the draft picks and just where they've drafted, like that's just going to be sort of be the case. It's kind of like what happened the last couple of years, except Cam was just so good on the ball that he just took over. And that's why he took every shot. Um, but I still get pumped. I, I don't know if you're like me. Maybe you just. I just get excited. I'm like, oh man, like people are just throwing the Nets uniform on and this weekend we're going to be watching. Like that's just good enough for me too. <laughs> so I don't know when you just want to just, when you're just dying for something to be on the court, that's, that's just good enough. That's basketball, baby. Doug, any final thoughts? Let the people know where they can find you. Obviously, if you're not subscribed to Locked On Nets, then you're doing something wrong. If you're not following Doug on Twitter, let your people know where they can find you. Are you now on threads? Is that the new thing where we got to start, you know, promoting ourselves on now as well? <laughs> Yeah, look, luckily, when you have a name, Doug Norrie, like no one else in the world has the name. So it's pretty easy to find as long as you can spell it. So Doug Norrie on Twitter, Doug Norrie on Thread, signed up today. Uh, Locked on Nets over over where you get podcasts, YouTube. It's all good. Yeah, no, really, really lo love chopping up. Could have done this for another hour for sure. Heaps of fun. Doug. And check out the YouTube channel because they're doing some great stuff there. The YouTube content from them, Nets Kingdom. There's a lot of great Nets stuff yeah. happening around. Obviously, it's uh, disappointing to see certain people not be in the positions that we'd like them to be, but plenty of Nets stuff happening. Can't wait to already. I'm, I want to find the calendar, see when I can do this again with you. We can get at him. You know, we were supposed to have the glue guys on. We'll find those guys soon enough. Always fun chatting Nets hoops with anyone and everyone, especially you, Doug. It's been a pleasure, mate. Thank you very much. All right, brother. Thanks a lot. Cheers, Nets world.